everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is Race to the Finish, and my name is Carlos. I'm here with my friend Amy Cato, and uh, she's coming on to the show for the second time. You know, you probably didn't hear her on the first iteration, but, uh, you know, on this iteration of the show, this will be her first time, and I'm sure she'll be here, uh, you know, here in the future. Uh, Amy, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, my name is Amy Cato, as Carlos said, uh, and I uh, graduated also from John Carroll University. And um, I've spent the past year traveling and really, well, traveling, studying for exams, applying to stuff. And um, I'm going to talk about my experiences over the past year, particularly with uh, environment, the environment and environmental conservation. Awesome. Cool. So how you been? I've been good. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Oh, my gosh. No, seriously, like graduating and stuff has been a, uh, a challenge just That's because exciting. adjusting to like adult life and stuff has oh. been. Yeah, crazy. I haven't really, I haven't really been doing that. So it's been pretty like chill for me. But yeah, I get it. Well, obviously, because you've been traveling. <laughs> No, seriously, like, like starting back up the show and stuff has been something I wanted to do for a while. So I remember like back, you know, was it in like March or something that we were talking, you know, when I went to PAX and we were talking about like different topics, uh, particularly with like nerd culture and stuff. And that's when I thought I was like, hey, like the show needs to like come back, you know, right. And I wanted to bring you back just because I know that. We have like these in-depth conversations and stuff about, you know, many, many different topics, whether it be like mm-hmm. philosophy or or um, like like social issues and stuff like that. So, right. you know, you know, you've been traveling a lot and I uh, see that like on social media and stuff. And, you know, like what, like tell me about some of the places you've been traveling to. Um, so I've traveled to quite a number of places, but I guess you could group them into four major trips. I went to the Balkans in October, um, Egypt and Jordan in February, uh, Australia and New Zealand in March. And throughout, sprinkled throughout that, I've been traveling also to um, around Malaysia. So that's where I'm wow. from, by the way, to people who don't know, for people who don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And so, like, what, like, why though? I mean, like, you know, those are so many different places that you can go to. I mean, like, right. I imagine that's a lot to take in. You know? Yes. Um. So basically, I uh, decided to take a year off between um, graduating and whatever the next step was going to be. I was extremely burnt out when I graduated, and honestly, I couldn't remember ever, like, having energy, um, like, not having anxiety dreams, you know, like, the whole nine yards of post, you know, like, towards the end of your college time, Um, and I did not want to start whatever was the next part of my life feeling that way. I knew I wouldn't be able to sustain myself for a long time, and so uh, I took the year off, and when... I took the year off. I thought, okay, I can take an internship. I can work. I can travel. I can do nothing. Um, Mm -hmm. And really, like, wing it. And I'm in a very privileged position to to have, like, my family support. And I don't really have to... I don't need to work. And so that really put me in a position of privilege to be able to decide okay, I can do whatever I want to do. So what do I want to do? And I decided, okay, I want to travel. 
because um, I'm interested in law, and I and I've been advised by a lot of people that once you start law school, you really have to like continuously move and work, and like the grind is endless, you know. Right. So I thought, okay, there are places in this world that are easier to travel to, and some less easy to travel to. Not impossible, but you know, more difficult, especially mm-hmm. from the U.S. And so, you know, is it? Is it possible for me to just like visit those places? It doesn't have to be like um, really long journey, like months at a different location, but at least two to three weeks exploring a place and maybe just like getting a surface understanding of it that will make my next trip there easier. Yeah. Right. And I kind of, I kind of think back to like, some things that I was telling other people about traveling too, because I mean, I've done a fair amount of traveling myself, and most yeah. of it has been because I've been in a privileged position to do so. I mean, traveling is not easy, you know. It, mm-hmm. First of right. all, it costs money to do so. You know, yeah. flights are not cheap. You know, and then you know, time and and mental capacity. I mean, obviously, right. like planning for a trip, you know, going to a totally different country and being away yeah. from reality is not something easy to to take in. And I remember when I was a kid, you know, I was you know taken to el salvador my parents country you know because i was born here and i didn't wasn't exposed to that but that was one of their goals that they wanted to do for me and i know that uh, a lot of other folks who are latinx you know that are born here don't have that opportunity to see what their home countries are like and 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 i'm conscious of that and i know that's a privilege for me to see so ever since then like I've always wanted to travel just to see other places too, you know, and, and the other places I've been to like, like Honduras and, and in Belize and and Guatemala, you know, all of those opportunities came because there was an opportunity for me to do so, not necessarily at my own expense. And I will never like ever put that aside, you know? And I think that's very good. Like very, very, I don't know how to say it, like very honorable of you to say that like hey it is a privilege for me to go somewhere else and 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 see what different cultures are like so like right. what i don't what, i don't think it's go ahead. so much um sorry to cut you but like i don't think it's so much uh honorable to say but more of recognizing you know that for a lot of people who are listening to this maybe they think oh you know this girl she gets to take the year off and travel like Mm-hmm. You know, she's she's a rich kid. You know, she has like all this privilege. She's not acknowledging it. Like, I'm very aware of the fact that yeah. you know most people don't have this opportunity, and that's partly like that's part of the reason why I decided to do it. You know, because people yeah. people who look like me, people with my background, generally don't do stuff like this. Mm-hmm. You know, don't have the opportunity to do something like this, and so I thought, you know. When I travel, like when I go to a hostel, I'm sometimes the only brown face there, mm. you know, in the whole like building and or one of like the only people from Southeast Asia or one of the only people who studied in Cleveland, like very odd intersections of my identity, you know, like just come together. And I'm often one of the only people who looks or talks or seems like me in mm-hmm. a location. And I really want to not hide the fact that, you know, it's unusual, yes, and for a reason, you know. 
Yeah, and you're totally right. Yeah, honorable is kind of yeah. Now that I think about it, it's kind of like putting you on a pedestal. It's like, hey, look at me, yeah, I'm acknowledging right. it. Look at me, I'm right. great. Nah, yeah. So you're right. Yeah, that's not the right word. But like, you know, but that's not to say that you didn't grow from the situation of like oh, going oh, to yeah. going to travel and 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 seeing different intersections of your personality or your identity coming together. Mm -hmm. You know, while you're at the hostel, while you're in a different country, or while you're in a different community. Like, tell me about that. Yeah. Like, what did it do for your personal growth? Oh Jesus! Uh, <laughs> it was it was a lot because okay, so initially, um, my my priority was traveling with my mother, um, really like spending time with her because I spent the last four years practically away from her. I I had the opportunity to go home at least once a year, sometimes twice, mm -hmm. and I consider myself very very lucky and privileged to be able to do that. Um, but I, I really miss just traveling with her. And when you travel, it's really different. It's not like being at home, you know. It's, it's, it puts you in a situation where you really bond and grow and, like, learn about each other. Because you have to talk a lot. Sometimes the Wi-Fi isn't good. So you really right. got to, like, get into those conversations. Oh, my gosh. Um, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so those were most of my trips. Some of them I also took with um, other people in my family. But the one that I think, well, you grow differently when you're traveling with family versus traveling alone. Um, like when I went to Australia and New Zealand, I went alone. Um, I vi of course, I visited friends in Australia and I got to stay with them. I was so incredibly blessed to have them in my life yeah when, but when i was in new zealand i was alone and um it was really eye-opening experience because i really learned you know a lot of where my boundaries are like there were people who said you know, i okay now i don't have fomo uh fear of missing out for in case this term really like gets out of trend out of use for the future listeners i hope of this show um <laughs> and and so I realized, okay, do I rest because I'm exhausted after sitting nine hours in a bus? Or do I go out and walk like five miles and come mm -hmm. back when it's dark and like be cold and hungry, you know? And so I realized, you know, there's some things that you can come back to. And even if it's not there anymore, like prioritizing yourself and your health is always more important. Um, and I also realize how important like reflection is so i i thought about writing a blog when i started my whole like traveling plan thing mm -hmm. but i i decided against it just because i feel like my words weren't capturing the enormity and or the subtlety of my experience and so um a lot of it is in my head and I think about a lot of the experiences and I decided to document them using photography. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, that did see yeah. that. Uh, and so I think that's where I feel I document a lot of my growth because, um, well, number one, like I'm learning as I travel. You mm -hmm. know, I'm taking pictures. I'm. It's not like me just going and not doing anything anywhere. I make it a point to take at least one good picture per place I go to. Um and that really helps stimulate my mind and my creative side on one hand. But the other hand was also capturing things I was seeing around me while being like mindful and conscious of it. Right. And, and, and like, 
yeah. I know that the, the the photography community is huge and stuff, and usually like I yeah. follow a few on my on my Instagram and stuff, and and I see that they post like a lot of different images and stuff. So that's very powerful to say like I put I, like try to choose one you know that encapsulates mm-hmm. that you know and and. Right. Obviously, like there are like ethics that come with being responsible with your photography. So, like oh, going to yeah. different countries and immersing yourself into different cultures. Obviously, those mm-hmm. ethics can change depending on what's acceptable and what's not. Like, how do you stay conscious of that? You know, how do you stay up to date with all of those things? Yeah. Well, I think it really can be summed up in this: if you want to learn about the culture of a country observe the people photography like observe its norms surrounding for photography for example when you're in japan you know i I didn't realize this but i I, so i went to japan a lot as a child my name is kato i'm half japanese um fyi um and uh i don't like taking pictures of people close up i I really feel uncomfortable documenting someone in a very personal, private moment unless I know that. Um, and I realize it comes from a cultural norm of not showing people's face when they are in a moment of vulnerability. And sometimes when people are walking in the street, that's when they're most vulnerable because they don't realize how many people are watching. They don't realize if anyone is watching them because most of the time you're distracted by something, your own thoughts, you know, the place, you know, you're thinking of a destination, stuff like that. And, um, and so like in Japan, you don't ph- photograph people's face and you can get into a lot of trouble for photography, like photographing someone's um someone without their consent. Whereas if you go to a country like the US, like people are just snapping pictures left and right. They don't really care. You know? Right. As long as you're in a public place, it's fair game. Right. Exactly. And so like when you go to like when I was in Egypt, you know, um a lot of people were taking pictures of the children. They were taking pictures of like just people like doing their everyday thing. And for me I felt uncomfortable with that. Yeah. And so like when I was Another place, so when we were... So I went on a tour in the Balkans. I didn't travel alone. Take no credit for that. I mean, I found the tour and stuff. Never mind. Details. But um, <laughs> while we were traveling, um, there were people in our group who were taking pictures of the people who were um, begging on the street. And uh, it was very, very uncomfortable. Like, how do you... And you, I'm, I have to be with these people 24... Almost practically 24 hours for two weeks, mind. And like... How do you have that conversation with someone that, hey, you know, that's extremely disrespectful what you're doing and like really like infringing on their basic human right for privacy, you know? Yeah. And it's kind of like when when folks go to like different countries and and I Mm -hmm. I think back, you know, because I went to to. Uh, details <laughs> so i went to different countries and and you know with some folks and and, and i'm guilty of this too to an extent like mm-hmm. uh taking pictures of the kids right you know yeah. taking pictures of kids you know yeah, giving them hugs and stuff like consent, that right, right. Yeah. yeah that and it's like or if you're in a position of power and then you're taking advantage of a community yeah it's right but all it, sorts it, of ethical issues right Right. And where I'm kind of going with this, though, is like by posting on social media, it's like, hey, look at me. I'm helping out this community. Look at look at me. It's like, you know, you're not you're benefiting from it. You know, it's not the kids that are benefiting from it. You know, do you are you taking a picture to post on social media? Are you taking a picture for memory? And while I don't have a problem with taking a picture of the community that you may be helping, you know, I don't 
I, I do have a problem with posting it on social media and right. bragging about it and, and clearly benefiting from it. You see what I'm saying? Right. And yeah. I think it's a huge issue. Um, I know that, you know, some folks in, in the community uh, call it like white savior syndrome. You know, it's like, yeah. hey, I'm going mm-hmm. to a different country to do my own right. thing. Poverty and- porn is another right. example. Yes, yeah. exactly. And mm-hmm. so I think, I don't know if those issues line up for with what you're saying, you know, but I do think it's an issue. Well, Go ahead. It it does because when you're when you're traveling, like, you know, you have to be mindful and respectful of the culture and the people and the environment, which I'll get to later. But yeah. um, the the big thing is sometimes like, you know, when you go to a place, they don't see it as disrespectful to take a picture of themselves. For example, like you go to a famous tourist location and they want you to take a picture because it kind of like puts them on a map. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one, one way of looking at it. However, you know, as a person who is going to post this and you're associating yourself and your ethics and your morality with your decision to post something online to your mm-hmm. community, to perhaps if you publicly post it to a wider community, perhaps the world, if you have that kind of influence, um, you have to be really, really conscious of how this will impact them and how you are representing a group of people. Because that's a big thing, you know? Like, yeah. if you are, like, there are many photographers, oh my gosh, like, I follow some on um, Instagram, uh, I think. Her, oh, I hope I don't botch her name, Christi- Christina Mittermeier. She's incredible. Oh, I love her photography. I gotta follow her. Yeah, yeah send me over her she, handle after the episode. Right. Later. Yeah, I will. Um, she does amazing things, and she really highlights um native communities, like particularly North America. At least I've seen a lot. Um, okay. she also travels around the world, so with um, Pacific Islander communities, like communities all around the world. She works with them and she takes beautiful portraits and photographs of them and really highlight how beautiful their cult and significant their cultures are, you mm-hmm. know? And so when you, when you take a photograph that empowers people, you know? Yeah. That's when you shift the paradigm. You're not taking them, a picture of them to show them as an exotic, inferior, like right. far away third world community. You are well, showing, yeah. you know, like, yeah, like you are showing them at their most powerful, at their most bravest, you know, or at their most vulnerable, but vulnerability with a strength behind them, you know? Yeah. Because he also photographs communities that have been impacted by environmental damage, mm-hmm. um, climate change. And so she shows them fighting their fight to save their cultures and their communities. And like, that's incredible, you know, to, to take, to use your platform to share a narrative. Sure. You know? and, and like, if you can do that, that's, a, I feel a superpower. You know, that's just yeah. absolutely amazing if you can do that. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't have that or they don't learn how to do that because that's something you really have to develop with time. If you're mm-hmm. not um, like if you're not used to having those conversations with people like what Humans of New York does and how it takes like people and their stories and really 
puts it on a platform for people to empathize. Like some of these stories, like we would never, like if we heard about it from someone else, we we would judge. But because it's on a platform that really encourages like listening and openness and mindfulness, you know, you really learn to take the message, you know, into your heart and really think about it, you know? Right. And and I feel yeah. like a lot of, you know, a lot of folks, they have different ways of expressing themselves. So while, mm-hmm. you know, photography may not be their thing, you know, maybe be writing or maybe be painting. Yeah. But mm-hmm. bottom line, you know, I think everything that you just spoke to says that, like, art can be expressed in many different ways. You know, it could be yes. music, po- poetry, writing, like all of these different mm-hmm. things. And it shows that photography you know, can tell a story in many, many different ways. And it does matter what you capture in that image. So speaking of which, you know, like in Mm -hmm. in your, in your images that you take when you travel, like what exactly are you trying to encapsulate? Like, what do you want to tell the world with your stories through photography? Um, okay. That's really rough because I've taken pictures of a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I guess, um, I, I take pictures of things that, just i don't know something that captures my eye you know yeah i love taking pictures of flowers because they always seem to be able to do that um, without fail i love taking pictures of um mountains i love mountains yeah mountains are crazy awesome yeah and like even though they're you know crown pushed up literally is all they are sometimes or volcanic you know sediment but um they they can be covered by so many things they can be used for so many different like purposes you know they're just like incredible incredible things so mountains are one big thing um what else do i like to like architecture is a big thing um i i like taking there's this one picture that I think of when you ask me like what I like taking pictures of. This uh-huh. was um, a person working on. So there, I think it was in Sydney. Yes. So the national, um, so the New South Wales Art Gallery um, in Sydney. I was there, and there's they were setting up a new exhibition. I think for mo- modern or contemporary art, and there was this person working on the wall. Um, I'm not sure if it was it that was the artwork of that that was just like part of the exhibit like how they were going to um set it up mm-hmm. but i took a picture of them from the back and it's slightly towards the distance so you can't really see who they are but i love that you know like the behind the scenes kind of picture right yeah mm-hmm. so you talked a little, a little what's up I'm going to pull out my Instagram because I don't remember a lot of the pictures I've taken. Oh, no, that's fine. Because <laughs> it, it, I wanted to transition to, you know, a lot that you said about, like, nature. So you're yeah. saying, like, mountains and mm-hmm. and of, uh, things of the sort. Like, obviously, you know, to take those pictures and stuff, you, you're, you're going out into nature. And now mm-hmm. we're kind of getting into the environment, you know. Right. So we were just talking about ethics of taking pictures of people. And and, yes. and 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 being respectful of their vulnerable space and their vulnerable vulnerable mm-hmm. moments. Like, how do be how do we be respectful of the environment when you, or how or how do you more so or or how should mm-hmm. we be respectful of the environment when we're you know venturing off into the unknown into the to the wilderness or to the environment when we're when you do want to take pictures or just traveling 
regardless in general. Right. Um, I think a lot of it is, I keep saying this word mindfulness, um, being conscious of like the small things that are going on around you, not just the big things. Mm-hmm. And mindfulness plus a respect for nature. So when people go out, oftentimes they don't really think of nature as something that exists, but rather something that, um, you know, stands between them and what they want to do. Um, such as taking a never been Instagrammed picture, you know, something unique, something that, you know, will, will, will really be aesthetically pleasing. And so people want to venture off the, um, what beaten track, you know, and you want, you want to take something new, never like very unique. Anyway, when doing this, um, people like, okay, something Americans can relate to California's, um, bloom. Remember there was this huge, um, rain that led to the blooms happening all across and they were really, really beautiful, but very quickly because of how popular they became on social media, they were trampled on and destroyed, mm. you know? And so, like, that's that's the big thing. When you go somewhere, making sure that you enjoying this experience doesn't damage the place itself and doesn't ruin it, not just for everyone else, but for the things that live there, you know? You right. come and go. You are not permanent. You know, you know, you don't permanently belong in that space, but other things do. Um, other things rely on that environment. You know, in that little little section of the earth, they rely on that, and they need that. Um, and we we can go back to wherever it was we came from. You know. Yeah. And so and I think. Go ahead. Sorry. Right. And so, like, when someone sells you this experience, um, like companies can sell you, like, hey, we're going to this place, XX. You know, um, you go to this XX location and you destroy it, you ruin it, you, um, oh, big thing. I really don't like this noise pollution. You are very loud and noisy and like, you know, I, I am a big, big, um, what's the word? I do this a lot. You know, I'm very loud when I'm around my friends. Pardon? Is advocate the word that you're looking for? No, no, no. I do this. I'm noisy a lot. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm real okay. loud. You know me, Carlos. You know me. I'm very loud. Um, and so, like, I get really boisterous and stuff. But, you know, being, like, respectful of your envi- of nature and being quiet and not contributing to noise pollution and scaring off um, the beings that live there, you know? Yeah. So that's a big thing. Right. And, and- and I think thinking like you brought up California and stuff, and the last mm-hmm. place that I went to that really blew me away was Yosemite National Park, uh-huh. and I've never been so enamored in my life. Maybe mm-hmm. like when I saw the Grand Canyon, you know, maybe maybe, right. but but going to Yosemite, I was like, wow, this is this is amazing. Like how, how does something like this exist? And I was mm-hmm. going around and taking pictures and stuff. And right. you know, I was with my entire family. We were all having a great time. We were, you know, walking on the path and, 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 and things like that. But what I can admit is I never once thought that, Hey, like maybe I shouldn't be 
um, making so much noise, or maybe I should mm -hmm. be mindful of where I'm walking. Maybe where should right. I be walking? What is the path? You know, my immediately within my nature or w mm -hmm. within what my habits are. Um, you know, I, I want to see what, what, what is beyond the beaten path. And, you know, yeah. and, I, and I didn't think at that point in time that maybe I shouldn't do this because of X reasons, not because it's against the rules. No, but right. because other things are dependent. You have a personal responsibility. Yeah. Right. And so right. we have the agency to be responsible with our choices mm -hmm. in, in terms of our environment. And maybe because, you know, there is a path that we should be set on. Or maybe because right. you shouldn't be climbing this rock or we maybe shouldn't be stepping here because maybe some wildlife or maybe because it belongs to, to some habitat that depends yeah. on this land, you know, and, and all of that is very, mm -hmm. very important. But one thing I didn't know about is noise pollution. And yeah. it, it, how big of a problem is that? Because, uh, you know, you mentioned Ooh. that you're a loud person, but I'm notorious for being loud, too. <laughs> and so, you know, like, like yeah. how big of a problem is that, especially within national parks? And, you know, I'm speaking from right. an American perspective, but even beyond, like, some places that you've been mm -hmm. to. Yeah, so, like, noise and light are two big polluters that we don't really think about. Um, noise can really damage a lot of environments, particularly places like national parks that aren't used to congestion or a lot of people. Um, nature is also naturally noisy. Nature is not silent. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's the kind of noise you introduce. For example, um, shouting, sudden loud noises, um, like laughing suddenly because it's a high, usually it's more higher pitch. Mm -hmm. You know, like certain noises that aren't naturally like at, aren't at a natural level of, of noise, you know? And it can, it can really, like, interfere with other species interacting. You know, it can put a lot of things on edge. Um, like with uh, caves, for example, when you're in a cave and you're very loud, it travels. You know, it's not just you and the rocks are sensitive to noise. Everything is sensitive to noise and it can damage the structure when you speak and you produce a lot of carbon dioxide when you speak which can also damage um i think we were in i think postoina caves is the name of the place and, and where was uh, yes it's in uh slovenia okay it's beautiful cave with the stalacites and the staglomites, if that's how you say the word. I always butcher it up. Same. Um, I know you remember it. off the top of my head right now. <laughs> right. Um, and so, like, beautiful, beautiful. And these um, stalacites were formed, like, really, like, they take so much time for these things to form. And they tell us, please be quiet, please be quiet. They keep repeating it, you know, like, please be quiet. Because when you speak, you know, your voice and the carbon you produce damages the structures, mm -hmm. you know, the natural structures that, that exist. And, um, and that's something like when, when I was there, like I immediately shut my mouth, you know, like I'm not going to be responsible for ruining like a million, couple million year old cave. But there were people who really didn't care. You know, they right. were like, why can't I talk? I'm paying money to be here, you know, like they, the <sighs> tour guide put me on this tour. Like I, why, why should I be the one who's quiet? They are also, oh, I hate that. They yeah. are also entitled, you know, like, right. And just because they are also doing something doesn't mean you should just because they are also polluting 
doesn't mean you shouldn't pick up your own damn trash and keep it in your bag till you get to Seriously. a rubbish bin, you know? Right. And, and I think I, I think like, that's like. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, the, yeah, the, I was just gonna ramble on like that. Oh, grinds <laughs> my gears. Yeah, and I think that's like the most. I guess you could say common form of pollution is just throwing your trash yeah. on the ground. Oh, by the way, I looked it up on Google. It's stalactite. Stalactite? Stalactite? St- stalactite. You know what? People know the, the thing that goes from the ceiling is the, with the C and the thing that comes up from the ground is with the G. Exactly. You know what we're talking about. Yeah, stalactite, stalagmite. Yeah. Gosh, I got to go back and read a book or something. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, but, but yeah, back on topic. I guess like... You know, throwing your trash on the ground. I mean, obviously, like, I feel like as a society, you know, the the message is out there. Don't litter, you know, when you're going, especially when you're going (laughs) out in the wild. Yeah. And and all you see on Facebook nowadays is the videos of the turtles with 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 Mm -hmm. the pack, you know, plastic ring around their necks. It's all really sad. And and, you know, I guess, you know, what for the viewers out there that may be curious on why that's important. You know, like, why shouldn't we be, why should we be so, like, super extremely conscious if we're not going to be conscious about or not as conscious about noise pollution or venturing off the path? You know, why should we, why should we be the most sensitive, you know, or as, as sensitive as the rest of the types of pollution, but especially with, um, you know, like, like we're littering, you know, picking up our trash. Like, mm-hmm. what are some things You're asking that me, we like, should... why we should be, like, conscious of that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay. So it's very simple. Um, whatever you do not put in your trash ends up in a water system most of the time. Mm-hmm. Especially like if you live in a place that right now Ohio is flooding, you know, like all of the yes, trash that's on the ground gets picked up and gets moved to a water system. You know, it could be Lake Erie, it could be a stream, it could be a river, it could be anything. You know, it could be your water system where you are getting your water from or where like another being relies on the water to like so many things rely on water. And when we litter, it just straight away goes to the ocean. And so people are like, oh, well, but if you put things in a trash, it goes to a landfill. But we can control land- landfills better in a way, you know, like it's not the best situation. And in fact, it's a horrible situation. Mm-hmm. But it's a place we can monitor. It's a place that we can, like, you know, cordon off from the rest of nature. You know, we can try to do some damage control. If all, like, It's like, okay, if all of your trash is on your bed versus lying all across your room, it's easier to then focus on cleaning your bed, you know? Right. Like, rather than, like, pick, like and other than being completely <laughs> lost. Right, exactly. Like, I'm using, like, relatable examples. Yeah. Um, other than, like, if your trash is everywhere, you just feel overwhelmed. Seriously. You know, you can't walk around, you can't, you can't figure out where do you start. But if everything is in one place, you can start there, you know? Amy, you're speaking truth right now, yes. <laughs> I <laughs> yes, know. <you> <laughs> but, um, yeah, and so, like, when we, when we litter, when we use more than we need to, when we um, don't refuse a straw, you know, that goes somewhere. And... People say, oh, it's so simple, you know, like you just, uh, you just burn it. Well, where are you sending your trash to burn while well, you're sending yeah. it to my home? Like, if you are a Facebook friend of mine, you have seen countless videos. Like, I've been sharing constantly how 
countries like Canada, the United States is a big one, the UK, Australia, like Swedish countries are sending their trash to Malaysia, to other Southeast Asian countries for incineration. Like, you gotta be kidding me, right? Yeah, and that's affecting right. your space. Yeah, and like, there, there are unethical, like, our uh, environmental minister said it right, they're traitors to the country. These traders are bringing trash, importing trash into our community, setting up plants where they don't have permits or the proper like procedures and equipments to burn these these like containers, like shipping containers worth of trash. So many like so many shipping containers worth of trash. They're burning it in our communities and people are coughing up blood. People are getting very, very, very sick because the chemicals that are let off when things like plastics are burnt, it's poisonous. It's all poison. Yeah. You know? And, and then I- there were yeah, and then there were there are there are plants that are like letting some of that waste, like the runoff, toxic runoff, go into the rivers, and we rely on our rivers for water. Like Malaysia doesn't really like um, our our water sources are almost very direct. At least that's what I think. I have to check. Uh, if you're curious, read up on our water system. But sure. a lot of people got poisoned from the water because our treatment plants don't. Aren't, don't have the capacity to clean out that kind of stuff, you know? You can yeah. only clean out what you know, right? And, and Yeah, and I feel like, you know, uh, this is all, like, I, w- I don't want to say, like, new to me, but mm-hmm. it's hard for me to imagine, like, you know, people suffering so much, you know, from, mm-hmm. from, from this pollution, you know? Right. It, it doesn't happen on the scale as much here, like, even, you know, in Cleveland. Well, you know, well, but this is the thing because, um, because, because wait, because Americans do not want to see it, because Canadians and Australians and all these people don't want to see it, they send it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. They have the capacity to send it somewhere else, take it out of this world. You know, you send it to a third world country, a developing right. nation. You don't have to think about your trash. Someone else will deal with it. You know, yeah, and I think of like, like the big you know ships that to, take all that yeah, trash. Is, right. And imagine like the oil is, that's consumed. Like, the, you know, your trash has traveled more than you, more than you will ever travel in your lifetime. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? You know? Yeah. And like, you know what? I just I had was a... in the U- Right. When I was in the US, my plastic trash went home more than me. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Think, and like, I just had like, like a, a a little mini flashback, like, you know, what is a solution, you know? And and you know, I just had a flashback what? to somebody speaking about like, um, you know, uh, uh, converting trash into energy, you know, and yeah. supposedly that Sweden's doing this thing, but like, how how realistic is that, you know? Like, like, it's... is that actually happening? Like, what is a solution, you know? If we, right. we can't be, you know, sending. I don't think we should be burning our trash at all because it affects the ozone later, obviously. You know, we're dealing right, with, right. with climate change. We're dealing with preserving our atmosphere. Like, I, that is something that mm-hmm. is extreme and it affects us all as a planet. And if, if we're right. not worried about any other social issues, that is the one, or not it's yes. not even a social issue. I mean, it can be, right. but it's, it is an no. issue. Like, right. <laughs> well, that is, is what we should be worried crisis. about. Regardless, like, what... For. 
What's it's up? It's a humanitarian crisis. Exactly. Yes. It yeah. is a humanitarian crisis. You know, so that's why I don't even feel like we should be burning our trash. But what is the right. solution? Like, you know, if Sweden is actually turning trash into energy, you know, right. it, it, I, I, I can't imagine that being the only solution. But what is a so, solid solution? Like, what do we do? Right. So it's multi-layered as all solutions are. The mm-hmm. first most basic thing is to reduce, you know? Yeah. Reduce and refuse. They are adding an R to the three R's. Reduce and refuse. You as a consumer have the choice to refuse something. For example, um, carrying a glass uh, Tupperware with you. Um, glass container, not Tupperware. Tupperware is a brand. Sorry, trademark. Sorry, people. Is Tupperware. it really? Yeah, it is actually. What? It's a brand. Um, <laughs> I didn't know yeah, that. Shook, right? We're not um, endorsed. We are not endorsed yeah. by Tupperware. <laughs> <laughs> so taking taking a glass container with you or a mason jar with you when you go somewhere so you can put leftovers inside that instead of taking plastic and styrofoam containers. Simple. Carrying, uh-huh. n- refusing a straw um, or carrying a metal straw with you or carrying um, paper straws with you I personally prefer the metal ones, um, but you know it's personal preference. You know, and a lot of people in the um, disability um, advocacy committees, the communities and committees, they are talking about how you know lack of str- like straws are needed for consumption of uh, fluids and food by right. And some countries are like banning right. straws. Right. Exactly. And so, like you know. Finding all other solutions, like having grass straws, like there are weeds that are um, reeds and weeds that are hollow inside. And so like use them as an alternative and it doesn't hurt people who use them like metal straws do. So like there's so many, so, so many um, solutions on that level. And I'll come back to that um, in a bit because I want to address the second part first. Uh-huh. But um, I'll talk about like as a consumer and talking about... Um, you know how do i afford to do to do that that's one thing but i'll come back to that um the second part of the solution is you can recycle sustainably you can melt plastic down sustainably there is a way to do that without harming the environment the only thing is who is absorb or absorbing the cost the reason why the trash is being shipped overseas is because it's cheaper that's the only reason it's not that people need the space. It's not that people like America has been posting on its recycling, like on different recycling communities that I'm part of. They're talking about, how, oh, it's too expensive to recycle. I'm like, I, you know, yeah. like words that people over 18 can use like so many times, you know, like what it, is it, that's this something nonsense? like I'm unpacking too. Like it's it always right. comes down to the dollar and, and I'm, I'm yeah. seeing it every day people always have like the people that say oh we're coming up with excuses well their primary excuses it always comes down to the dollar oh we can't help out this community because it's too expensive or it's too risky because i might lose money or our economy relies so much on like what people are dying like Like, (laughs) yeah but this is the other thing like what i don't understand is overall it's better for you because it creates jobs in the community when you have recycling centers. You know, you need people to sort it. You need people to do all these things. The only thing is, it's, it's dirty work, you know? Yeah. 
It's dirty, yeah. messy, dangerous work. And that work is often relegated to people who are at the lowest of the low in society. You know? Mm-hmm. And do you Especially want in a capitalistic the... society, for right, sure. Right, exactly. And do you want, like, it's all about the, like, you know, the title. Oh, you collect trash? Like, that's one of, for me, collecting trash is one of the most noble jobs you can do. Because you are risking your life every day doing that. Yeah. You know? Compared to working in an office, like, no, that's nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, when you bring recycling into the conversation, then you add the whole, the added layer of, well, this is trash as well, but it's expensive. So people are making money off of this. Who is that money going to? Who's working in these plants? Do you need, um, like, extra skills to work in this industry, in this sector of the industry, waste industry? And why is it so expensive? Right, and I feel like that's why it takes so long for, for especially this country, like the United States, it takes so long to make a decision when we're trying to come to a solution because people are worried about, you know, like I just said, it always comes down to the dollar. Like, okay, why are we losing so much money? Are we going to lose too Mm -hmm. much money? If we're losing too much money, then it's not worth it. Not only that, but am I making money? Who's going to be making the money? Am I making enough money? Yes. So, like, um, another big thing... uh, as part of oh, this, this podcast is supposed to be about traveling and the environment. I'm so sorry to the listeners. We've gotten a bit off track, but very important. We're getting back on track here. So part of it is um, how do you get from point A to point B, right? And uh, how much oil are you using? How much energy? What kind of um, like uh, what pollutants are you releasing back into the environment? You know, like a lot of those things are really part of your decision to travel. Um, you know, do you carbon offset and all of that stuff? But one of the solutions that people are really proposing for intercountry, as long as you're connected by some land or only like a little bit of water separating you, or if it's like within a really big nation like the United States or within groups of countries that are already connected like the EU, using high-speed rail has been a really, really big solution that's been proposed and implemented in many countries. But mm-hmm. the reason... There, well, the big reason why it's not big in the United States is because of the car and uh, airplane lobby. But in addition to that, um, you have people who want to make a dollar, you know? And other countries, like, yes, most countries built their high-speed rail really when their societies were, like, were usually, like, post destructive era like japan built it after world war ii so a lot of things hadn't been built back up you know and people really um want like you you could see the benefit of having something like this when i posted on a forum very like um i don't know what to call them i just say a forum social justice topics forum um i posted on there like you know this is this should be a a whole nationwide effort. This is not an, the effort of just the government fighting against the people and corporations to enact this. No, everyone has to work together to have something like this, you know, in the United States. Traveling, imagine 3.5 hours from New York to Chicago. Like, that's incredible. Yeah. You know, and being able to do I know do that there's some effort. efforts. Yeah, I know right. there's some efforts going on here in Cleveland. Like, I think they're trying to 
I forgot what it was yep. called, like the hyper rail or something, but yeah, and so um, yeah, um, but the problem is is that uh, in California they wanted to do something between I believe oh gosh I'm gonna mess this up. Okay, North and South California. They wanted to do like a high speed rail network. I can't mm -hmm. remember the exact locations escaping my mind, but um, they wanted to do that and. It's costing like I think seven seven hundred million, seventy like seventy million. I don't know. Many 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 millions of dollars it's a lot to of do money. this, right? <laughs> and um, let's see if I can pull it up actually. Um, but the the problem is that you know they have to buy land from from private owners, landowners. You know they have mm -hmm. to uh, work with corporations and stuff. And I and I commented. I said, well, you know, like everyone has to work together the other thing is people can't be making money off of this project and oh my gosh the abuse i got online wow like they were saying how can you not make a dollar out of it you know like people need to eat and i'm like uh number one you're not running a business properly if you don't include salaries wages and all of that stuff getting people paid mm -hmm. under your overhead like your your cost you know right like I think people often conflate cost, like profit and um, income. Do you yeah. know what I'm? Yeah, yeah, I'm I do. I, I do get what you're saying. Yeah, right. because usually it, profits, if they're divided in a company, are divided as bonuses. They're mm -hmm. not divided as people's incomes. But people who don't have that much money or who are not familiar with finance and how uh, companies and organizations are run unfortunately conflate the two and so um like people see it as uh a short-term barrier you know it's too expensive now right it's mm -hmm. always about the now i feel like that's like for all that i i feel like a lot of it's like me trashing the united states like sorry people in the u.s there are a lot of problems <laughs> i love it but there are problems um, and you need to recognize them in order to grow. But anyway, um, a big problem with American politics and American government and just American civil society is that people always focus on the short-term impact rather than the long-term benefit. Right. So and, and that it's yeah. it's such a problem too because like I was saying before, like even like in our Congress, I mean, I I don't yeah I don't know how accurate it is to say. That Congress mm -hmm. directly reflects our society. I think it's accurate in some ways, but ac inaccurate in different ways. But you, mm. that's not the point. It, yes. It's the fact that like it takes so long just to come up with a a, a common solution because we're so divided on whether or not um, yeah. you know the private sector should be handling this or the public sector should be handling this. My bias yeah. or my my angle is that the public sector should be handling this. Like we as a yeah. society need to be making the decisions. Um, right. about what goes on. You know, I can't necessarily yeah. trust a corporation that goes out and says, oh, look at me, I'm environmentally friendly for Earth Week or Earth Day, and then yeah. I'm just going to forget about it. I think going yeah. back to your point on, <laughs> like, you know, we all like need to company's... work together. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, I'm saying like, like the... we all need to work yeah. together, you know, in terms of being smart consumers, conscious consumers on what exactly mm -hmm. what we're doing, you know, and what we're consuming with our dollars. Um, yeah. 
and how exactly does that that affects the environment you know by by yeah. choosing not to purchase a certain thing that we know is going to pollute our environment in some way over something that may not as much is being responsible yeah. it reminds me you know it kind of kind of takes me back to when i was at pax you know mm-hmm. and i went to this panel uh uh it was called like being a smart or so like social it was like a meme. It was a meme. It was gritty. Gritty is a socialist be, being a responsible consumer in a capitalist right. society um, within, you know, with the context of nerd culture. And right. so one of the, one of the points that someone made, you want the merch, right? Right. Yeah. With all the merch, you know, and, right. and one, one of the points that someone made up there, I don't remember who it was. I'm sorry if you're listening to this, but like uh, someone said, um, uh spoilers you know if say if you're going out and watching a movie you know spoilers mm-hmm. are are classist right mm-hmm. and so making that choice to not go on your social media and spoil a movie for somebody or spoil a video right. game you know because you had the privilege to ha- have access to, to something over somebody else you know is right. making a difference you know so yeah. i think that same philosophy can be applied to our dollars and mm-hmm. and um you know and our consumption habits because overall, right. that is what's going to happen, you know. And uh, one last point before we move on from this, you know, I, when I mm-hmm. think about it, because everything I just said just reminded me about veganism, you know. Yeah. And I have my gripes with it. Sometimes I like to say that, you know, veganism is inaccessible. But the mm-hmm. overall sentiment on why I In the U.S. In the U.S., right. Yeah. Because um, I'm speaking from the context of being born here and living my entire right. life here. You know, so but but the overall sentiment of saying, you know, I'm rebelling against a, a, a corporate society that abuses these animals and makes mm-hmm. and it has the potential to make us sick. I can't argue against that. I respect mm-hmm. it. You know, how, how right. much is it going to work? I don't know, because I yeah. do believe that policy or, or, or revolution, you know, is going to make a difference. You see what I'm saying? Um, so th- mm-hmm. I feel like that overall sentiment of refusing and being conscious right. of our actions is going to make that difference you see what yeah. i'm saying mm-hmm. well oh by the way side note i did google it and the california high-speed rail authority um according to a bunch of sources the cost is like 77 billion dollars wow <laughs> which is ridiculous but anyway yeah i get what you're trying to like what you are saying um i think that leads me kind of to my next point uh-huh. Which is um, the choices you make, you know, the individual choices we all make, as well as our larger, how that impacts our larger decisions. Um, what I think 100 companies are responsible for, like more than 75% of the pollution on this planet. And we are like, we like to see ourselves as very removed from that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, those are cor- corporations those are the people like they them like those people um, but we don't realize that our consumption habits directly impact that a big way is oil okay. people I feel have dissociated plastic and oil even though plastic is derived from oil okay yeah seriously I didn't yeah. think about that once <laughs> right yeah, and so, like, for example, people who don't buy leather, pro- like, um, animal leather, yeah. and choose to buy, like, a faux leather that's plastic-based, well, you're still, like, using oil-based products, mm-hmm. you know, and you're impacting the, the, the planet. Oft- oftentimes, not always, um, those products don't last this long. So you need to buy more. You need to buy more and more and more and more. And 
you know, you're consuming a lot. And when you get rid of something, where do you send it? You know? And so all of those individual choices, like choosing to eat a very rare uh, fungus, mushroom, whatever, you know, instead of meat, but having that be environmentally unsustainable, you know, like for the community. Yeah. You're not eating according to what your community can produce. America is overproducing so that it can meet the wants of everyone, you know? Yeah. And And so, like... Yeah. There's so many layers to this. (laughs) Right. It's such a complex issue, which is why you keep it simple. Respect your planet. When you respect something, you think about how your decisions impact it. Mm-hmm. When you respect your friend, when you respect your neighbor, you respect your family, you like whoever it is you think about. Think about the earth as a person, your environment as people, you know? Because we consider right. corporations people. Why can we consider our environment the same way? Seriously, you know, even like on people, paper, we, we consider them right. as people. <laughs> exactly. In the, in the law, we can, black print law, we consider them people. You know, they are human. We used to name every single mountain, you know? Every place has a story. We, like, every place that has ever been inhabited by people has names, has identifiers, has markers. Because we recognize it as something that we need to survive, you know? Yeah. And when, once we have that mentality that when you use something that you don't need, right? You're taking it away. Like, it's like plucking a strand of hair every time you pass by a person. That person gonna be bald real soon, you know? Yeah. And then you look at them, you'll be like, oh, what happened? But you don't realize you've been snagging hairs off their head for the whole time, you know? Yeah. Like, it's like, it's like something small, like over, you don't immediately notice it, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. um, I, I, th- I like can think of an analogy. Yeah, it's, right. You, you, it's like growing your hair out. You don't realize how long it is until someone points it out or like you really take a good look at yourself. Yeah. And, you know? and there was there was an analogy that I thought of. I just, wow, I'm having all these flashbacks today. It was a flashback. I think it was at, to like elementary school. And we we're talking about mm-hmm. heat, but it kind of has to do with that. You know, so mm-hmm. um, I know we were just talking about respecting the environment, but this is just something my teacher told me a while ago. So it was, right. uh, say you take a frog, right? And you put a frog into some water, right? Hot water, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, so like, yeah. you know, the, fr- the frog is in the hot water and then you turn on the heater. The frog is not mm-hmm. going to jump out immediately. You know, it's going right. to stay in there until it's like, oh, wait, hold up. This is not bearable. And then it jumps out of the water compared right. to by- you, t- you, you put the cup in there and then it boils yeah. and then you throw a frog into it. They're going to immediately f- jump, jump right. out, you know? Yeah. So it, it's like that short-term versus long-term thing, I think that you were saying. Right. The immediate, like... Like, the shock. And I think that's what you really see when you travel. Because, like, when you travel to a place, you're seeing it with fresh eyes. You've never been there before. You know, maybe you have a comparison with a really beautiful picture someone took one day. Maybe many, many years ago. Or maybe when someone a place was just recently cleaned. But, like, one example. We were traveling in Jordan. Jordan is a beautiful place. Um... We're in the car, we're driving past these fields, and I noticed something in the trees. And I was like, is that, is that flower? Is that like, 
like weird leaves. Like, what the hell is that? I have no idea what it is. So I was like just staring out of the window, trying to look more closely because we we're moving pretty fast. Try to look more closely, and I realized those are plastic bags. Those are plastic bags having hanging off every single tree in like many many fields, kilometers worth of field. You know, we're yeah. driving past of this, and it my heart and the excuse people give is oh well it's like the refugee camps you know they're littering they're polluting i'm like no it's not that you know because who why do they have to carry their stuff in plastic bags because they have nothing they need to put their shit some sorry they need to put their stuff somewhere you know (laughs) like they need something to carry right yeah i i have a problem with you are all good seriously that's fine um but yeah, like, so people need to carry their things. People need something. The most easiest thing to carry your stuff in is plastic. You know, if you are given the option to use something else, why wouldn't you? You know? Yeah. And so it's easy to blame the people who are the poorest, who are the least, like, privileged in our society for our problem. You know, people like to say, oh, well, um, you know, uh, Southeast Asia pollutes a lot. You know, we create a lot of... Yes, we do. Why? How much decisions... How much power do we have over the packaging that is used for all the products that we need? Right? How much influence do we have over corporations that are based more than 9,000 miles away? Why are we being held responsible for the, the actions and decisions that are made by people who are making money off of us needing those items? It's easy for someone to boycott Nestle when they live in Europe. But how do you boycott Nestle when it makes like everything from baby formula to like every almost everything you eat in Southeast Asia? Mm-hmm. You know, you make a society dependent on the product and then you just like um demonize us for using it. You know like why like Dove makes uh all those love yourself campaigns in the west but sells um whitening cream in uh asia and africa oh jeez. you know like it's stuff like that and like once you realize how much agency you have no matter where you are on this planet you can like make a fuss you can you do that thing where someone orders like when the uh when you order something and they send the wrong food you know how angry people get yeah, <laughs> I wish they got that angry, you know, like all those like like uh, what Debbie's and Susans. I wish they got that angry, you know. That would be Let me speak so to your manager. Angry. Right? Yes. Oh my god, that would be so awesome. I would love that if everyone got that mad when they got the wrong food. You know, uh-huh. like yeah, I hope people get that mad. Like that makes that I agree. Year to year, imagining that situation right now, you know. So awesome, awesome things that are happening. There are many, many cities that build in botanic parks into their um their landscape. So like Melbourne has a beautiful park right next to the city. It's really quiet space too, and it's free. Same with Sydney, and um Wellington. Oh my gosh, new favorite city. Well, one of my top five favorite cities. Very, very pedestrian friendly. Very, very public transport based. Very, like the hill right next to the city is a huge park. 
you know, and mm-hmm. it's right by the um, water, and like you don't see litter. People pick up their trash, and it's such a happy city because of that. You don't feel the pollution because most of it is offset somehow. You know, by the um, environment. You know, of course, people can point out problems, but I think that there's so many cities in this world right now making an effort to really become green. And let's let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. Because I'm seriously actually interested in that. Like green mm-hmm. cities. Yes. How does that work? So the big thing, big, 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 big thing is reducing personal transportation and relying on public transportation, uh-huh. walking and biking, cycling. Big, big thing because, um, well, it's very simple. You reduce the amount of carbon you use. Because if one family uses two cars, Versus every family member sharing the public transportation with everyone else is totally different. And it's not making anything like Uber or Lyft. Those things are actually shown to be more detrimental to the environment because oh, wow. people choose to take individual rides rather than carpooling mm. or taking the public transport because they're like, oh, well, it's easier to just call to where I am or call to where I am, you know? Yeah. So uh, using those ride share companies, I probably shouldn't use. You can bleep the corporations out, ride share companies. Uh-huh. And so like you're not sharing those rights unless you're pooling, you know? And so like um, making a place very bike friendly. People love biking, you know? A lot of, I can, oh, it's a very embarrassing thing. I cannot ride a bike. But, you know, like you go to different places and they have free bikes that everyone can use. Or places where you can walk everywhere. That's an incredible, incredibly beautiful thing. Where you can walk and really appreciate your environment. And you also notice it's not as dusty, you know? Yeah. Because you are you're not like being like hit in the face with like exhaust fumes, you know? And just like the but the big strong backbone to any green green city is public transportation. You know, accessible yeah. public transportation, affordable pu- public transportation. And shout uh, out to the transportation community because I know y'all are right. really doing stuff out there. <laughs> and 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 while I may not be as educated as you guys, like seriously, like I just want to speak to those to those folks that are trying to do that here in in my current county. Like you know, transportation is such an issue. Mm-hmm. Like you know if people don't have access to transportation it could be as simple as this you know you, you made a right. point let's keep it simple people can't get to work and if people can't yeah. get to work they're not making any money and and, right. and and it goes back to that whole inaccessibility thing if people want to live right. a healthy lifestyle well healthy quote healthy things are sold at a premium here in the united states compared yes. to like a, a a dollar liter of coke you know right. and so health plays a it's big like, part in being environmentally yeah. friendly you know, right? It's like Coke is uh, Coca Cola is one dollar, and then um, water is one dollar twenty. Yeah, like little stuff yeah. like that, but it makes a difference. It does, right? Right? <laughs> yeah, because it's like a barrier for many people, and so like going to one beautiful thing you see when you travel is like how other peoples are, other how other people, other societies are really approaching the issue of climate change of um environmental degradation yes i do you know, want to know like, about that yeah when i when i go to thailand it's incredible like you can see people really like and like encouraging people to not litter because when people go on holiday often they turn off the part of their brain that's responsible for some reason and like they just like treat that place awful 
you know, like you would you would not do that at home. Why are you doing it here? You know. But, so let, like, let's spend a little yeah. time on that too, because I mean, like, right. let's admit it, it's gonna be a longer episode. It's really we're, we're <laughs> so, but I'm sure there's a lot to unpack here. So like, right. You know, let's 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 spend a little time on that. Like, you know, tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about Thailand, but like maybe some other countries too that are being environmentally friendly. Like, what are some positive examples that you see that could that 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 we could all learn from, or other nations can learn? From? Yeah. So, um, my big three, uh, I think, like gold star so far a uh, new zealand australia and thailand of course new zealand and australia are both guilty for shipping their trash overseas but i would like to add that not but and um there are local efforts to really like do something about that you know wow. like um when i was in wellington um my souvenir there was actually a smoothie mug so it was like a big mason jar and I went to, I just found a random random store and I really wanted to have a smoothie. And they gave this mug to me and they said, come back and we'll give you, like, return like 50 cents back for the mug. Hmm. You know, and so, like, it encouraged people to go back and return the mug. Or you can keep it and reuse it. That's what I'm doing. You know, because I, like, that was a really good quality mug. It wasn't, like, something that people can just, oh, you know, like, whatever, right. you know, I'm not going to deal with it. No, like, I loved it. I took it. I carry it with me today whenever I go to the store. And I just, you know, don't use um, that, you know. And so, like, those small things that different um, local companies are doing, it's really incredible. Um, In Australia, same thing, you know, like, reducing the amount of, like, um, containers, plastic, no styrofoam i do not i don't see styrofoam very often i only saw it when i went to the u.s which really uh-huh. like trying like like threw me off um huh. really like when now when i see styrofoam it's actually jarring because i don't see it like much here or other places anymore people yeah. use paper people use um other things they don't use uh, like they use those environmentally f- friendly plastics, which I still have a problem with because they still do have some oil product in them. Right. So paper really is the best option. And then like Thailand, Thailand's a big one because you see them on the news a lot um, with like really big pushes for environmental conservation. Um, they have really started telling tourists, hey, you know what? if you can't respect this place, you shouldn't come here, you know? But, and it relies on tourism, but it's still making that stand. And it's making it easier for the tourists by offering alternatives, you know? They're not saying like, hey, cold turkey, you know? But hey, here's something else you can use. If you're not, com- like, if since we don't want you to use plastic, here, use something else, you know? Yes, and... and- and like, I, I, I saw something on social media, too. I don't remember what country it was, but, like, a country, I think it's in the Southeast Asian region or, or the Asian region or, or I don't know what region. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh-huh. Look it up. But, like, instead of using plastic bags, you know, to wrap vegetables or, like, banana leaves. That was Thailand. Was mm-hmm. it Thailand? Okay, I thought it, it was. They used banana leaves to um, wrap it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was Thailand. Yep. 
and and the little stuff like that does yeah. make a difference because like you know if if institutions start doing things you you cover a whole base a lot faster than an individual that's not to say that the right. individual isn't responsible but institutions right. are too yes yeah and so like those usually are more local grocers i'm not sure uh-huh. if it's a big grocer um but it's still a company it's still impacting a community you know and sure. so like what is that country's relationship with the environment? That's a big thing. Like, I notice there's, there are many countries where um, our culture is very deeply rooted in the respect for our environment. So you'll, you'll see like a lot of hiking trails, walking trails, um, just like things built in and around nature because mm-hmm. it's so important to that culture. Or it's something that um, like health and environmental consciousness is so ingrained into the new culture. Like in Australia, when I was um, there, I did some of the most walking I've ever done in my life because my friends like to hike. Well, one friend loves to hike and she and her friends took me to uh, Plenty Gorge uh, Park. It, which is like, a, like almost like a national park that's in the middle of a suburb. Mm-hmm. Right. Mind-blowing for me. Um, and it was just amazing <laughs> because we came, like, we were just walking and suddenly there were like, I think about, maybe I'm exaggerating, a hundred kangaroos just like there. I was so scared. But, like, that's like right in the middle of the suburb, but they, they belong there. No one's showing them. That's their land, uh-huh. you know? And that was like pretty awesome to see. And it's protected and it's like gated all we couldn't get in. Like we were walking around, like we walked a lot trying to figure out how to get in rather than like actually being in the park. Right. Um, and so like, you know, you protect these parks, you protect the area. And when you realize that someone is like not, not, um, appreciating what you are giving them which is access to the space you take it away you take away that person's right to come to a place because they are not respecting the sanctity of the environment right yeah yeah it (sighs) sounds very exclusionary yeah but in a way like oh it's so weird for me to be saying this um not everyone deserves to be everywhere. Yeah. You know, if you do not yeah. respect a person, like, like, if you- I don't mind if you disagree with me as long as you don't disrespect, you- as long as you don't disrespect or uh, disregard the basic human uh, sanctity, right? Of yes, the other of totally the people I that. care about. Right. And so, like, if you take that and add it, add the environment to that, I don't mind you disagreeing with me as long as you don't disregard the basic, like having basic respect for the people and the environment. Right. You know? Right. And it it comes out to principles. It's like, if you have no principles, then of course, like you could say something completely off the wall and say, oh, well, yeah, I just disrespect with you. Yeah. We could just move on from it. Like, right. No, like people have to have principles. No, we're not agreeing to disagree. You're going to mess this place up if we agree to disagree. (laughs) Right. Like, if you think a very centrist, oh, this upcoming election is going to be fun. Because, oh my like, God. environment is a yeah. big topic. You know, are you going to be a middle middle person and say, 
we'll figure this out. No, you have to have a basic, like, bottom line. What are you going to fight for? What are you going to, like, like go, like, crazy-eyed and, like, wild hair going to go right. in, you know, and fight for this? The environment and, and- should be the basic thing. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. and it comes down to it too, because, you know, environmentalism is such a complex, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you could say issue or what's the word? I don't know, but environmentalism is complex. Right. And so, yes. um, it, there's so many layers. You, there's environmental, environmental racism. That's something mm-hmm. that I'm very interested in. I'm, I'm going to read more about yeah. before I start talking about it. But, you know, the fact that racism plays a part in environment environmentalism you know or it's 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 a social issue that stems from it right in the age of social media where i can make a show like this and publish Mm -hmm. it where you can come onto the show and say what you need to say and have so many people listen to it at the same time of course people are going to get um you know crazy eyed and 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 come out about what thing what has been affecting them for ages you know compared to so long ago where Mm -hmm. the folks who had the largest voice or still do to this day but had the larger voice back then that may not have been suffering from these issues back then you know Mm -hmm. where someone can be like oh well this election is going to be fun you know well you know we'll just agree to disagree because you know the issues don't affect them as much you know people are not dying in the communities yeah foreign policy includes environmental waste you know foreign policy includes trade that impacts the environment foreign policy includes like hey where are you going to put your next military base like the galapagos islands really Mm. really you know Mm -hmm. like you're you're gonna do that um i think about guam too and i think about hawaii like the the story hawaii is like i I was listening to shout out to code switch by the way which was a massive inspiration on this role but or this Mm -hmm. this show you know on why it even exists but i was listening to an episode of code switch uh which is a podcast on npr you know very much you know like this show but they were interviewing somebody from hawaii and he was telling like the story about hawaii and how it was colonized and you know how you know i was shook when i heard about it yeah and it's like it's super sad because right. we don't hear about these things, you know, mm-hmm. in American society, we don't, you know, Americans who are born into this education system where, you know, maybe we'll spend a, a day or two or a week talking about, and then we'll forget about it and move on with our studies about different, right. different it's like, it's almost, it's almost impossible to keep up with it until yeah. we get to a point where we have to dive deep, you know? And I think that's yeah. a challenge with environmentalism is that, we don't have access to the materials at a young age, or even if we do, we don't care about it enough. We don't know the urgency because we don't live it. Maybe right. we do, and, but you know, we keep our hands over our eyes, our hands over our ears mm-hmm. to it. You know, right? And like, and also keep in mind, you know, people in the United States don't realize that a lot of your um, environmental policy—not just policy, but I guess. Um, Curriculum, that's the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. When, when you think of your American curriculum and you think about what you're studying and you think about what you're learning and what, like, you feel like you only get so much out of it, you export that curriculum around the world. Mm. You know? Because yeah. there's, there's yeah. like, the, the idea was promoted for so long. America's incredible. Our education system is the best in the world. The UK is incredible. Our education system is best in the world. You know, like all these places. And then 
we're like, okay, since you're the best, let's see what you're learning. And we adopt these education systems and practices and curriculums. And we don't learn about our own country. You know, I, I, growing up, I knew more about Greek, Roman and British history than I did my own. You know, and so like, what does that say about the environment? We learn about the geographies of other countries and the, like the the landscapes and the climates of other places that are so far removed from home. Mm-hmm. You know, we only really know a lot about home because we live here. That's the big difference. You know, you see your climate, you see you experience climate change differently. At least in Malaysia, it's more in your face. You know, I'm. I mean, it's very in your face in the U.S., but I don't know why people just ignore it. But yeah. Um, so I do. Yeah. Uh, we have to wrap up the episode because yes. <laughs> <laughs> we. But like, that's not to say that this episode wasn't awesome. Seriously. Uh, and so you know, to the listeners out there who have stuck through this, thank you so much. <laughs> uh, you thank know, because yeah. uh, you know, Amy's always bringing the heat. You know, with what 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 she has to say, and uh, she'll be definitely on the show going here forward. Now, if you remember, you know, in the first iteration, I asked every guest this question. You know, uh, mm-hmm. what is something? What if you had to say one last thing? You know, uh, oh, uh, about this topic, like what what do you want to say? Or maybe it doesn't even have to be about the topic. Like, what's something that you want to shout out to the world? Find what you want to do. Find something that really makes you happy. It doesn't have to be your hustle. It doesn't have to be anything you need to make money from. Find that thing. Cherish it. And make sure that while you're doing it, you try to empower and improve um, the community that you belong to and the communities that you visit. Take what you love and make other people understand why it's valuable, but don't do it at the detriment of um, those around you and the environment you belong to. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So thank you, everyone, for so much for listening. Uh, When you listen to this, you'll definitely see it on, well, we're available on YouTube now, uh, Facebook, Spotify, Apple, Google Play Music, and Podbean. Um, working on getting a more more uh, uh, platforms, but those are the ones that are the most demand. So if you want to see it on somewhere else, hit me up. You know where to find me. Um, and where can people find you, Amy? I mean, I know you mentioned that you had an Instagram where you post your pictures and stuff like that. Did you want to put that out there? Or? I mean, yeah, sure. Um, wait, I don't remember my. Oh shoot. Uh, <laughs> find my handle. Okay, so it's Amy A M Y dot I dot K. Awesome. Cool. Um, yeah. So if uh, you I'll didn't take that down well. or right. Oh yeah, go ahead and send it send it to me. And if you didn't take that down, uh definitely check out the video description. The video description mm-hmm. will have all of our handles there. Uh you can follow us, you know, send us send send the show an email if you have any questions for Amy or anything like that. Um and you'll definitely see her on the on the show soon. So thank you again everyone for listening and I hope you join us for the next one. All right, thank you. Peace out. Bye.